listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting The Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Today we get to head to Concordia University, St. Paul. And uh, our guest today, the Reverend Dr. Reed Lessing, he's professor of theology and ministry and director of the Center for Biblical Studies at Concordia University, St. Paul. Dr. Lessing, welcome to The Coffee Hour. Thanks, Andy. There are there are numerous conversations going on about the unrest and the conflict of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict that's been going on for years. And there are often many questions that come up about Israel's role in God's plan of salvation, what the Bible says about Israel, and what that means for this, this war, this conflict that's happening. What are some modern-day misunderstandings that you think we should address today when it comes to Israel and the Bible and the conflict? I think that main misunderstanding is that people see the name Israel, the May 14th, 1948 state of Israel, and then they read the Bible and they say Israel in the Bible, and they must be synonymous terms. Israel means Israel. So all of the promises, especially in the Old Testament, relate to Israel, therefore must apply to the modern Israeli state. Uh, And it's a very uh, common, understandable, uh, biblical, interpretive move. Mm. There's an assumption then that all of these statements about Israel in the Bible are about that apply to the modern nation state of Israel. What does that mean then about how we interpret the Bible? Are there different approaches to interpreting the Bible, and particularly this te- the texts about that, that reference Israel? Yeah, I, everyone comes to the Bible with uh, certain presuppositions, mm-hmm. whether they're valid presuppositions or invalid. Lutheran Christians and most denominations that spin out of the 16th century Reformation of Luther and others are going to say that when we look at Scripture, we believe that the cornerstone of biblical teaching is that we are saved by God's grace through faith in Christ Jesus. So we are going to use that as the epicenter of uh, everything in Genesis through Revelation. That being said, if that's how I am going to read the Bible and see the Bible and and trust the Bible, then I'm going to analyze everything in the Bible through what the Augsburg Confession, Article 4 says, the doctrine upon which the church stands or falls, that is, salvation by grace through faith for Christ's sake. That being said, then, (laughs) when I look at this current controversy and war and bloodshed and horror, and you just can't find all the right adjectives for what we are seeing daily on the news, I'm going to analyze this through a biblical worldview, and my biblical view is going to be Augsburg Confession 4. As that relates, then, to our topic today, I can just put it very simply. We are saved by grace, not by race. It's that simple. It's kind of that complex. There's a lot of layers to unpeel from that. But let me throw out a verse that I believe is very helpful. It's in Romans chapter 9, verse 6, where St. Paul says, uh, not all Israel is Israel. 
which is kind of confusing too. That's like not all uh, Vikings fans are Vikings fans. So apparently <laughs> there are some uh, Vikings fans in the Twin Cities where I live that when push comes to shove and we're playing the Green Bay Packers, they're not really Vikings fans, right? So we kind of understand that. Not all Republicans are real Republicans or not all men are really men. So so we, we understand a little bit about what Paul might be saying there in Romans 9, verse 6. So not all Israel is Israel, which would mean to be a real Israelite, according to what Paul is saying here, you need to be a child of Abraham and believe in God's promises to Abraham. These would just be the next couple of verses in Romans chapter 9. That being said, not all Israel, here I'm going to talk about the 1948 state of Israel, would be Israel. Uh, That is to say, uh, according to Paul, not only in Romans 9, but Romans 4, Galatians 3, I'll come back to that, um, to be a real Israelite is to trust the same promises that Abraham promised, uh, or what God promised Abraham. And that would be Genesis chapter 15, 6, that we're saved by faith in the promise of the coming seed or Messiah. So not all Israel, that is to say not all Jews, not all Israelis, actually are Israel, because to be Israel in the biblical sense would be to trust the promises that God gave to Abraham. What are some misunderstandings or maybe divergent methods of interpretation when it comes to God's Word regarding who Israel is and the role of Israel? Right. Perhaps some of our listeners have heard this uh, 50-cent theological term, premillennial dispensationalism. And essentially, this would be a a way that very faithful, Bible-believing, Jesus-following Christians, uh, there's no doubt about that, are going to interpret uh, the events going on now in Israel and the Gaza Strip. Premillennial dispensationalists are going to say that and these would be their words, Jerry Jenkins and Tim LaHaye, who wrote a number of, of fictional books 20-plus years ago. And these books are going to talk about the rapture and we're living in the last days, etc. It's called the Left Behind series, right? But LaHaye and Jenkins tell us in another book that they write, not a fictional book, simply a book called Are We Living in the Last Days? They would tell us, again, these are their words, that the 1940 state of Israel is, quote, the super sign of biblical prophecy. So many Christians, tens of millions of Christians, believe that when Israel became a state in May of 1948, that validated a number of Old Testament prophecies concerning Israel. So for these people, premillennial dispensationalists, they believe that the last days began all right, on May 14th, 1948. And so God's plan for the world is bound up in the Israeli state. And uh, certainly what has transpired since 1948 and what's transpiring right now as we talk and do this interview. That was a a, a nice um, 
small package of what pre-millennial dispensationalism is. And and as you pointed out, it's grown into, into mass media as well. It, fiction, books, books, the, the same stories that were then developed into film as well. So made it to the box office, made it to video as well. How widely accepted, you, you, I think you shared, you know, just a, a general idea of numbers, but how widely accepted are these concepts or this teaching of premillennial dispensationalism? Where would we find this teaching? Right. And I, I, would, I would back up just a little bit. I've uh, been talking about this as a professor, as a pastor, probably for the last 35 years. And I always want to tell the audience that God loves Jewish people just as he loves people from Brazil and Poland and outer Pago Pago and Australia, but God loves Jewish people. And the biblical interpretive method that is not premillennial dispensationalist is not in any way anti-Semitic at all. I think there are very valid political reasons for Israel to have a state, so, so that being said, anything that <laughs> I'm talking about here, I would not want anyone to construe that this is an anti-Jewish way of looking at the Bible. Um, all of that being said, where do we find this? We find this all over the place. I, I'm, I'm a part-time, part-time pastor at Crossview Lutheran Church in Edina, Minnesota, a western suburb of Minneapolis, and I, I've been teaching on this topic for the last two months. Little did we know that there would be this carnage and outbreak uh, during this uh, Sunday morning Bible class. And uh, I about 90 people attend that class, and I have had a number of people who have said, these are lifelong Missouri Synod people. Well, I always uh, was a premillennial dispensationalist. I didn't know it. <laughs> so I think I've convinced a few that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now, that's right from Revelation 19, verse 10b. All right, so I'll say it again. The testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy, not, not, not the 1940s state of Israel. So we are going to look at the Bible through a Christ-centered, cross-focused lens. All of that, then, is to say, officially, you will find premillennial dispensationalists in what we often call non-creedal churches. So creedal churches believe in the three ecumenical creeds, right? The apostles... Nicene Athanasian creeds. Uh, who are those churches? Roman Catholics, Episcopalians, you know, Methodists, all uh, types of Presbyterians, uh, Anglicans, and certainly Lutherans. Uh, so you will find what is often called amillennialism or realized millennial interpretive understandings of the Bible in those creedal churches. So what I'm saying is, is the historic creedal way of looking at the Bible. But if you're a non-creedal church, which would include most Baptists and Assembly of God people, certainly most non-denominational churches, then in all likelihood, you are being taught premillennial dispensationalism, though a pastor is not going to use that term, just like I wouldn't use that term from the pulpit. That just takes too much unpacking. But you will hear pastors now, if you tune into their messages, who are in non-creedal creedal movements 
in all likelihood, making a pretty big deal about what's going on here in Israel and Gaza as a fulfillment of biblical prophecy. See, and what's behind a lot of this is people want to prove that the Bible's true. And this is an easy way. See, look, I mean, it's all happening before our eyes, and they cherry-pick verses, especially from Ezekiel 37, 38, and 39, to try and convince people that the Bible's true because it is corresponding with current events. Uh, Our position has been (laughs) the Bible is true, and it corresponds to historical events, all right. But those historical events are bound up in Jesus of Nazareth and first century Greco-Roman world. We have more to learn about this in just a moment. We're talking with Reverend Dr. Reed Lessing of Concordia University, St. Paul. We'll continue the conversation in just a moment right here on The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live Uncommon. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. Today we're talking about the the role of Israel in God's Word and understandings and misunderstandings about that role of Israel and how we look at God's Word. Our guest, the Reverend Dr. Reed Lessing, Professor of Theology and Ministry direct, and Director of the Center for Biblical Studies at Concordia University, St. Paul. So we, we've, we've given, a, a, I think, a good definition of Premillennial dispensationalism, you as you pointed out, not a term we use from the pulpit very much, but but certainly a concept that we want to teach about so that we understand when we hear this misunderstanding of God's word. I, I want to go back in history a little bit. Where did this concept begin? I know we've talked about you know where we see it today, but where did it begin? It actually began in the mid nineteenth century in England. A man by the name of John Nelson Darby had a parishioner in England, and she had a vision that essentially uh, later became premillennial dispensationalism. So the church has always, not always, but certainly since the second and third centuries AD, had false teachers who are going to teach the idea that when Christ returns, he'll reign on earth for a thousand years. That's often called Kiliasm, especially in our 1580 Book of Concord, Kiliasm. Kilia is just the Greek word for a thousand. So there's, there's in pretty much throughout the history of the church been people who believe that Christ will reign on earth for a thousand years based upon a misreading of Revelation chapter 21 through 11. What happened with John Nelson Darby is is that 
belief is certainly in play. But before Christ is going to come and reign on earth a thousand years, he's going to rapture the church, secretly rapture the church. There'll be a seven-year tribulation, and then Christ will come a second time to reign on earth for a thousand years. Then what has happened since John Nelson Darby is that people Uh, in the early 20th century in Europe and the United States uh, were pushing back against theological liberalism. And so they started saying, we must interpret the Bible literally, because these liberals uh, aren't understanding it literally. Uh, We believe Jesus really bodily, historically, factually, eternally is risen from the dead. And a liberal would say, oh, that's just kind of a figure of speech. So fundamentalists pushed back on that, and good for them. But they went too far in the early 20th century, because then they started arguing that you must take everything literally, literally. There's no figurative genre in the Bible. So then they started with this John Nelson Darby system in place, right? The rapture, seven-year tribulation, thousand-year reign of Christ. Then Christ comes a third time to usher in the new heavens and new earth in Revelation 21. But now they are reading the Bible literally. So Israel—this is where we began our conversation, right—Israel in the Old Testament must equal Israel in the New Testament and Israel today. And that's just flat out wrong. That is reading some texts too literally, and it's reading the Old Testament, and here's a really big move that they make, it's reading the Old Testament in light of current events and not in light of the New Testament. So, so that's a bit of a history of Kiliasm, John Nelson Darby, the rapture theology, and then this idea that we must hold to a literal understanding of every word in the Bible. And you put that together with uh, not understanding the Old Testament in light of the New Testament, and you've got full-blown, left-behind series, premillennial dispensationalism. So equip us. Help us, uh, how do we lovingly speak the truth about what God's Word says regarding prophecy, regarding Israel, and what's happening today? Uh, Help us, equip us to speak lovingly to our neighbors about these topics. Right. I think most of our listeners know 1 Peter 3.15, that always be prepared to give a defense for the hope See, the hope is looking to the future, right? We're we're saved by faith that looks back. Hope is our Christian anticipation and confidence in the future. So what do I believe about the future? Uh, That's what hope is. So I want to be prepared to talk about my hope. And my hope is built (laughs) on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Uh, It's not built upon the current events uh, in Israel or in India or in uh, Chile. All right. It's built on Jesus. So I want to be prepared to give a defense for my hope. And 1 Peter 3.15 goes on and says, I do that with gentleness and respect. Gentleness and respect. So how do I do that? When when I sense that someone uh, might be 
putting too much emphasis on Israel, the 1940s state of Israel, when they read the Bible, a good three-word question I find very helpful in all kinds of situations in life is, tell me more, tell me more. So people want to be listened to and validated. And these people are Christians, as I said. They're Bible-believing, Jesus-following Christians. This article we're talking about, this doctrine, is not a matter of salvation or damnation, right? So we listen, we affirm what we have in common, and and we give them a, a, a hope that won't disappoint the, the hope is that we fix our eyes. This is from Hebrews chapter 12, right? One and two. We fix our eyes not on Israel. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, right? So we listen. We ask questions. We are sincerely interested in these people. We're not just trying to win an argument because we probably won't, all right? Because <laughs> I've talked with these people. They're pretty rock solid in their convictions. But at least I can point them to the cornerstone of biblical prophecy, (laughs) which is uh, Christ crucified, risen, reigning, and returning, a one-time final return, and that's the hope uh, of the world. So when when one points out that what's happening with the the war and the the situation in Israel and Palestine— that that those are signs of the times. Those are signs that that the the end is the end times are here, or the end times are coming. What's a what's a good response to that? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, a good response to that would be the Bible. I don't want to sound flippant or anything, but the New Testament's very clear starting with Acts chapter 2, when Peter gets up to preach on Pentecost, the first text he is inspired to quote would be from Joel chapter 2, which begins, in these last days, right, uh, God will pour out his Spirit on all flesh. And Peter says, those last days have now arrived, because the Spirit is now being poured out, because Christ Jesus is now glorified at the Father's right hand. And we also have uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In many and various ways, God spoke of old through the prophets, to our ancestors. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. From Pentecost on, the church has understood uh, herself to be in the last days. So what's what happened in 1948 or 1967 or 1973 or unfortunately now 2023 in Israel has nothing to do with the biblical prophecy or the or the biblical hope for the world. Our hope is in Jesus. The uh, you've done some writing on this in in a number of places. One of those is a. CTCR, Commission on Theology and Church Relations document. We, we referenced the Left Behind series earlier. Can you tell us a little bit about what we would find in that resource? 
Right. I was the, the major drafter of this CTCR document 2005. It's called the Lutheran Response to the Left Behind series. I was tasked to write this, not for a, a group of pastors, but for lay people. So it really is lay friendly. And there's also a Bible study that goes along with that. So it's really geared for lay people to take a deep dive into premillennial dispensationalism. I've also written a number of commentaries, but one in particular on Amos. Amos chapter 9, verses 11 through 14 would be a pivotal section of the Old Testament for premillennial dispensationalists. So in my Concordia Publishing House 2000 Amos commentary, I probably have about 15 pages uh, on premillennial dispensationalism and a Lutheran response. Obviously, that's geared a little bit more for pastors. Um, and of course, this Lutheran Witness article that came out in November 2006. So two of these are really geared for a, a, a general audience, and Amos one a little bit more theologically technical. Good, all helpful resources. We'll provide some links to resources that you've shared today as well. I've certainly learned a lot. I, I am certain our listeners have as well. Thank you so much, Dr. Lessing, for the insights you've shared for us, for educating us, and uh, for, for being our guest today. Thank you, Andy. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.